Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast, and I'm here to help you experience that fresh encounter. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching, mentoring, and Bible study resources available at moretobe.com. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is an author, speaker, board-certified internal medicine physician near Birmingham, Alabama. She received her BS in biochemistry at the University of Georgia, graduated with honors from Meharry Medical College in Nashville. She's been an adjunct member at Baker College in Davenport University, Michigan, teaching courses on health, nutrition, and disease progression. Dr. Dalton Smith is a national and international media resource on the mind, body, spirit, and connection. So I bet you guys will know why. I'm glad to have her here. She is the author of Set Free to Live and Come Empty, and her latest book is called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, and Restore Your Sanity. And it includes groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, and live your best life. I bet that as you heard what I just read about uh, Dr. Dalton Smith, you know why I want to have her on because you know that I am passionate about rest and passionate about Sabbath and about connection and relationship. And so we're going to have a really phenomenal conversation with Dr. Dalton Smith. And I'm going to call her Sandra from this point on because she is a sister in Christ. So welcome, Sandra. And I'm glad that you are here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, we are recording this right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So you find yourself at home, just like I find myself at home. So, so tell us a little bit about what, what is home like uh, for you? What's home constitute? Well, I, I'm a mom of two boys, two teenagers, married for, this is, will be our 20th year anniversary um, to the love of my life, Bobby, and I've been practicing internal medicine for over 20 years. Wow. Um, you know, right now, that looks very different than how it looked, you know, a month or two ago. So currently, most of medicine uh, in our area is being done by telemedicine, trying to limit exposure and, and all of that. And so it, it looks very different just because I'm having to, to really change how I've learned how to practice medicine. But, but honestly, it gives me an opportunity to practice in other states now that really need my services more than my current state does. That's amazing. So your responsibilities have not decreased at this time. Sounds like they might have even increased in, a, in that you have a learning curve. It, it has, really, because that's not how we're trained to treat medicine. You're not trained to have to evaluate someone's lungs by video. You know, right. so it's, it's a very different way of going about it. And, you know, I, I, pract- I practice in multiple states, Tennessee, you know, Alabama, Georgia. I've never practiced in New Jersey, New York, California, but these are the states now that are actually needing more physician help. And so, you know, they, their licensing agencies have opened up opportunities for doctors to be able to help out without physically having to leave their home. So it's great. That is amazing. And, and so... Apart from the pandemic, life before, mm-hmm. uh, you have been practicing medicine and you have become passionate about this concept of, of rest and caring for yourself. And, and so how did that come to be? 
I burned out personally. So my rest journey came from a forced need for rest because I got to the end of myself. I recall one day getting home. My kids were real small at this time. They were both still toddlers. And I remember getting home one day after picking them up from daycare and I just put them in front of the TV. I I just did not have the energy to even do anything with them. So I put them in front of the TV and I remember just laying out on the four-year floor and laying there and thinking, God, if this is this if this is what I've been working for all of these years, mm-hmm. all of the schooling, all of the training, all of, you know, all of it, mm-hmm. this is what I was working for. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't feel successful. You know, it may look successful on the outside, but it doesn't feel good to live. And this isn't the life I, I want. And I remember, you know, in that moment lying on the floor, it, just, it felt like Holy Spirit was saying to me for, you know, this is the first time you've stopped. This is the first time you've inquired of my positioning on any of this first time you've actually stopped long enough to listen. Mm -hmm. And and it was almost like an invitation to, are you willing to try something different? And it led me to kind of searching out the scripture and studying about rest to really see what God had to say about it. That's amazing. And so just kind of giving us context. So uh, you said you've been practicing for 20 years. How far into your practice did that take place? Um, it was about five or six years into it because my, my boys are teens now and, um, you know, 16 and 14. So at the time they were like two. Wow. <laughs> okay. Two and my youngest was, you know, um, still in your arms kind of. So he was somewhere around the um, really six months or so. I mean, just really tiny babies. Okay. Okay. And so uh, even dialing it back further, like what was your childhood like? that puts you on that trajectory of, can I say workaholism? Is that a fair yeah. statement? <laughs> That's a fair statement. Yes. Okay. Oh, um, I, w- I would say I grew up with a mindset that if I wanted something, I had to, to do it. I had to accomplish it. I grew up with very little trust in God. I was a believer who mm-hmm. said I trusted God, but my actions in no way showed I trusted God. And I think a big part of that was because I grew up, um, I, well, just I'll start with this. My mother died right after childbirth. So I grew up in a family setting that was without a mother mm-hmm. and with death as part of my beginning. So mm-hmm. I always looked at, looked at that situation, you know, as a little child, I looked at it as someone who was missing out on what every other little child had. Sure. You know, kids go to school with both their parents dropping them off. And I didn't have that. Or I would go to a friend's house and their mom was, you know, cooking and they were cooking with them and I didn't have that. So I always felt like, you know, that for in some way, if I wanted to have certain things that I couldn't necessarily trust God to provide it for me or bless me with it. So it was my responsibility to go after those things myself. Wow. Such a similar mindset for, for me, but for totally different reasons. Like I did grow up with a mom that, that provided and a dad that provided, but my, my family of origin was, you know, emotionally and physically abusive. And, and I learned later in life that I wasn't the first generation in my family legacy to experience that. So I was third generation to experience that kind of trauma. And so I, I did not grow up with God at all. I came to faith in college and I had a mindset that there was this big cosmic God out there somewhere, Mm -hmm. but that he wasn't going to take care of me. So I had to take care of myself and coming to that, right. (laughs) 
you're there. I know you're there, but look where I am. And so therefore you don't care. Therefore I must or else. And it's taken my entire life to get to the place of, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for over 20 years. And yet it's just now that I'm getting to the place. He does care. He does care, Lisa. He does care. So, so you ended up on this, this trajectory, you know, from the loss of your mom, which I am so sorry for, uh, and, and moving in that direction, uh, going to medical school, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of fast forward. Is there anything important that we should know about for that, those years leading up to medical school? Well, I think, I, I don't think medical school helped my faith journey <laughs> in the least yeah. bit. You know, um, medical school really, if anything, made it harder for me to reconcile kind of where God fit into the big picture. Mm. Um, you know, th- with medical school, there's a big push to, you know, you don't combine your faith with your medical practice, you know, science and scripture don't go hand in hand, you yeah. know, they don't say that, but that's what they teach. Yeah. And even when we brought up, cause I had, I went to a medical school where I had a couple of friends who were really, uh, when I say they were Jesus lovers, I mean, they were radical, you know, <laughs> they, they had no problem confronting professors about things they were saying. And I recall one conversation where one of them said something, you know, I don't even remember exactly what it was. And I remember the professor making the statement, well, if you, you know, if you pray with a patient without, without asking their permission or, you know, try to, as he was kind of saying, shove your faith in their face, it's like taking advantage of them. It's like raping them because you are, are stripping them away of their opportunity to be able to choose for themselves. And I tell you that ripped something inside of me when yeah. I heard those words, because that's not, that's not something very light to say, even to use the word rape in the whole, yeah. you know, so that really messed with my head, to be honest with you. And for many years, I went to, you know, work as a physician under the precept that I can't talk about my faith because I don't want to, I don't want to do that to anybody. I don't want yeah. to impose my beliefs on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it could have been expressed, take the time to ask permission mm-hmm. to share. That's what I had to learn. Right. Years right. Of practicing, but <laughs> right. The, the alternative is not to say nothing, but it's to say it in an appropriate way yeah. with consent. Right. So mm-hmm. we teach that when I teach the coach training course, I mean, that's one of the foundations. Anytime you open your mouth, you have to ask permission if you're going to share something personal. Yes, it's the client session and the client's experience. It's not what you are bringing to it. It's what they are bringing to it and how you're holding space for them. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. right. So, so you, you moved, you went on medical school, got married, had these babies, and then hit the point of burnout. And you had that encounter with God and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. speaking to you. What, what changed after that? I would say everything. Um, I'm not the same person I was um, on that floor. Um, the person on that floor was extremely insecure. I, you would never have got me on a podcast, TV show, write a book, nothing. I mean, none of those things would have came would have come to fruition had I not spent that time on the floor, which is very bizarre because all of those things require work. Mm-hmm. But what I found was rest wasn't just about me you know, getting energized and, you know, getting peace in my heart. 
rest was about me learning how to let to abide in God. Yeah. And that's what it ended up being. I, it, it taught me how to abide in God. And really it taught me how that time is necessary for me to do the work he's called me to do. Because until I'm still enough and trusting enough and yielded enough, I can't be poured into to the, to the level of capacity to do anything he's actually equipped me and called me to do. Amen. I may be called, you know, the gifts are irrevocable, but you've got to be strengthened to be able to carry the gift sometime. Yeah. And that's what I had to learn with rest. That's awesome. So what did that practically look like in your habits and, and routines plus the mindset? Like paint that mm-hmm. picture. Well, I think the very first thing for me is I had to start getting the, the very first type of rest that I had to learn about was spiritual rest, um, mm-hmm. spiritual rest in my head. You know, um, I didn't know the first that there were seven types of rest, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I when I was as I was kind of going through them, I didn't have names necessarily for them. I just saw God doing different things in different areas and then had to kind of research to find out what exactly is this. And so at the time, I didn't call it spiritual rest. I just knew spiritually that's where I needed to start from. Mm-hmm. And because that, that's where I, that's where I got, you know, awoken <laughs> that something yeah. was even wrong. So God took me through, uh, had me at a time when he was taking me through Genesis. And I felt like he had me in that book for over a year. And I could not understand how reading this same book of the Bible was helping me in any way with spiritual rest. Mm -hmm. But at one point I got to this position where I was like, okay, well, that's where rest started at. Let me try to see if I can figure out why I don't feel a release to move forward from this particular book. And what I, what I found in the process was, you know, in, in Genesis where it talks about rest, we all know that on the seventh day, it says God rested. So I started looking around what happened before and after that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, on day six, man was created, animals were created first and man was created. Then it says on the seventh day, God rested. Then we kind of go into chapter two. Mm -hmm. And as I sat there and I looked at that, I think for the first time it dawned on me, what was man doing on the seventh day? You know, the scripture doesn't say anything about man on the seventh day. Right. But then I started thinking, well, was man working or was, was he doing on the seventh day? And it doesn't talk about any work being started until the second chapter. Yeah. And it's almost as if Holy Spirit just kind of said, ding, 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 <laughs> you finally see it. And I finally, and it finally, this kind of really dawned on me that on the sixth day, man was created and then kind of commissioned told what, who he was, given his identity, spoken into. And then the, the next, the, the first full day of mankind being on the earth was a day of rest. Mm. And then from the rest, the work started. So in my, enti- my entire life had been, I'm going to work, 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 work so that I can earn my ability to rest. You know, when yes. I retire, I can rest. When I earn a certain amount of money, I can rest. And when I looked at this section of the Bible, it finally hit me. God didn't call me to work to rest. He called me to work from my place of rest. To start off with him telling me who I am, what he's called me to do. All these things I don't feel equipped or even qualified to do because I don't know who I am yet. Mm -hmm. And then to spend a a time in rest with him Mm -hmm. and then work from that place. Everything. It changed everything. (laughs) It it changed everything. It, it so confirms what I have been learning. So uh, I guess, let's see, July of 2019, um, I was reading Emotionally Healthy Leadership by Peter Scazzaro. 
Mm -hmm. And he has an entire section on Sabbath. And this was the first time God has quickened my heart to obey Sabbath. But it hit me in a brand new way. And I began to recognize how much I was a workaholic and that um, working, completing a task list, whether it be my paid work or my homework, mm -hmm. it was my, um, my drug of choice. It was what made me feel steady and secure and uh, cared for and equipped. And I was like, holy cow, this is work is my <laughs> idol. Like yeah. work is my God. And it's not just the the traditional um, is not the career is my God. It's the accomplishment of a task that that was my God. And so to rest was releasing the 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 control and i didn't want to do that mm -hmm. and so the lord just has invited me on this journey for the last year of can you put it down not uh, and can you trust me with what's left undone and can you be comfortable with not being productive <laughs> and <laughs> and can you find pleasure in things other than productivity Mm -hmm. And so it is a dance for me. It is, it is still a dance. And in the middle of this epidemic, where for me, my daily work is continuing at the same pace, if not faster, because of the people that I'm serving as a coach and, and the hours are, are longer than they were before the mm -hmm. epidemic or pandemic, um, that combined with everybody talking about all the things that they're getting done at home and all their projects has creeped into what was my Sabbath and making me feel like I need to get something done because if not, then what? Or we need to make a really good memory if, if not, then what, you know? And so it's, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting dynamic. Yeah. This is an unusual season we find ourselves in because I don't, you know, in my lifetime, at least, I don't recall any time when the world has been put on, you know, enforced Sabbath or yeah. lockdown, as we say, or shelter in place, whatever term you use, it is a, a, a mandate to basically slow down your normal pace and yeah. keep it at home. Yeah. And, you know, for most people, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who have been able to embrace it. Mm -hmm. see it as okay maybe this is a time of preparation god's doing something new and you know it looks very different all around but i'm going to embrace it as a as a season to kind of be still and know and mm -hmm. i think a lot of people have, have have encountered it the way i probably would have had it hit me before i had that experience on the floor yeah it's, i would have been very frustrated and upset yeah <laughs> and you know and i would have felt kind of out of sorts because rest would have been foreign to me and this yeah. whole staying at home would have been very foreign and it would have been very difficult to maneuver you know how to how to feel um how, how to feel safe in an environment that's shifted so much yeah so let's speak to that because I, I know of a half a dozen people who are having that struggle right now to the point of feeling depression and anxiety and anger and you know i'm i'm looking at it with my trauma focused background i i'm becoming certified in equine 
assisted th- psychotherapy that's trauma informed, trauma focused. Mm. So awesome. I'm under, you know, I know about the brain and how, you know, we respond to those brainstem reactions of, uh, and, and what's going on in the neocortex, all those pieces of the puzzle. So mm-hmm. I'm listening to the people who are struggling with these emotions that they don't know what to do with and realizing, oh, they're like an addict that's lost their drug of choice and they don't know how to move forward. So what, what would you speak to that about? Well, I think you're very right with that because when I think about had this situation hit me and the time when I was, you know, striving it was, was how I functioned was, you know, kind of my go-to way of functioning with life. Yeah. What would have, what I would have felt at that time would have been a sense of loss of control <laughs> yes. because I can control the productivity and the work and the, the striving and the effort. I can't control, I couldn't control the rest. And I think that's why I ran from it for so long. Mm-hmm. And so to then have that rest and kind of enforced in this type of setting, I think that's something to be aware of that it is like um, an addict losing their fix. Because yeah. now, how do I, what, what is my new fix going to be yes. <laughs> to keep myself productive? Yeah. And so, you know, I think some people may find um, ways of staying productive that are still healthy, you know, and, and still, you know, at least not being detrimental to their overall well-being. Yeah. I think others are finding ways that are probably not helping their situation. When you feel like you lose control, the number one thing you want to do is gain some control back. Yeah. And I think that's where you get, you know, hoarding. I'm going to get all the tissue paper or all of the, whatever it is, you know, sanitizer I can get so that I feel like I have some level of control Yes. or I'm going to watch news 24 seven and be on top of everything that comes out, you know, of the CDC so I can feel like I'm in control, but both of those activities are are overall toxic. Right. Right. Oh, I, I love that you said that because I absolutely have had that perception. Like there is a, there's a very teeter-tottery sort of thing between stewardship and discernment. I need seven rolls of toilet paper versus I better get 40 because that's all that's left on the shelf. And what if it doesn't happen? You know, what if there's no more next time I come back? Uh, and the same with like in the conversation with a friend the other day saying to her like, She's like, I just need to create some routine for myself. I need to make sure I get this project done. I need to make sure I do this. And I said, I think that there is wisdom in routine, getting up, getting dressed, yeah. you know, having the days stand as recognizable, distinct days, because you have some routine that looks different from day to day, but the same in say a five day week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think doing that to try to pacify the anxiety over not being in control is just like putting a Band-Aid on a, a gashing wound. It's, it, not, yeah. it's not dealing with the real issue. That's so true. And I think that's the, that's the thing. We, we are in, a, as a physician, you know, I'm constantly seeing kind of how people manage their pain. Some people manage it with, you know, they, they drink a little extra wine, um, you know, for whatever reasons in the evening. And that's how they manage and wind down. Others munch on brownies is how they wind down. You know, others uh, try to mute their pain with prescription drugs and all sorts of other things. So I'm constantly seeing how people manage pain, but, and, and honestly, I rather, I would rather see someone manage a pain in a way that I can physically see 
because mm -hmm. then I have, I have a specific issue we can address. Yeah. What I get most concerned with are these people who won't even address the pain. Yeah. That tends yeah. to fester and turn into something else in the long run. Yeah. I, I was in on a consultation call listening to therapists speak about it and they call it the finger issue where they, they said that people come in and they're like, look at this gashing wound on my finger. And you're looking at them as the provider and you're seeing the six inch gash on their, you know, forehead across their face, bleeding out. And they're like, look at my finger, <laughs> you know, and you're like that. Yeah, I see your finger, but we have got to deal with the head here. People like what is, <laughs> what is, what is going on this? And, and that's the bigger wound that we don't want to address. So let's, let's speak to that. Why, why, what, how can we encourage uh, our listeners to, to feel safe to approach God and the necessary professional help with the bigger issue? Well, I think it starts by, by really, you know, when we talked about that spiritual rest part of it, I think the big thing that I had to learn was that spiritual rest wasn't about religion, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, I, I mean, I, I was, a, I shouldn't say I wasn't religious, because on when I look at it now, I probably was very religious. I kind of looked at spirituality as, well, I go to church, you know, I read my Bible when I feel like reading, <laughs> I feel like mm -hmm. reading my Bible. Uh, you know, I, I've, I'm a good Bible school girl. I know who Noah is kind of thing. So I felt like, you know, I have this religion, spirituality thing down and I had to learn that spiritual rest really is about relationship. Yeah. It wasn't just about praying because I was praying, you know, but my prayers were one-sided. It was my request list. It was, yeah. a, it was just another checklist, but in my head with God, it wasn't any kind of relationship or communion or back and forth. It was a very one-sided relationship. And so I had to kind of open myself up to start hearing the other side of that conversation and, and really taking to heart what was being said. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of that healing process, being able to take the one-sided conversation that may just be, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, this is going on in my life, this is how I feel, and opening up a two-sided conversation to, to have some feedback. Whether that's with a counselor, whether that's with Holy Spirit, whether that's with a trusted friend to be able to say, you know, I'm scared right now. I don't really know what's going on or I don't know why I feel this way or, you know, why I'm so unsettled. And then just letting that there be some, some space for some yeah. healing to occur. Yeah, that's beautiful. It, it touches on so many things because I'm such an advocate for connection. I believe that's how God heals the brain is through a relationship with him and relationship with each other. And I just think about how that the limbic system and the, the diastephalon working together to create this connected rhythmic patterned relationship so that our brain could think the right thoughts that, and get us out of the, the muscled up brainstem. And I was working with a client and also a, a friend this past week and the Lord brought the same analogy to mind that I want to share. I think it might help uh, our listeners think of it this way. So at the farm where I serve, there is this uh, dirt road that we drive the, the pickup truck along by the mare's field. And it's to, we got to bring the truck down to fill up the water. Well, the really wet winter we had created these tracks in the mud. Mm -hmm that the the truck gets stuck in the the ruts that the wheels 
have made over time. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming up the hill and it's muddy, I had an experience where the truck got stuck, caught on the edge, the tire got caught on the edge and swerved into the, the fence post of the mayor's field. Scared the daylights out of me. My heart was racing. I was like, whoa, I don't ever want to drive this truck again, you know. And so in that moment that we are stuck in the rut, we have a couple of choices. And sometimes being stuck in that place, we just, you know, get frozen and think this is where I am. I'm not going to be able to get out of here. That's the freeze response. Sometimes, you know, the adrenaline starts running and we're like, I got to get out of here, but you're not thinking clearly how to get out there. And so instead of turning the wheel or putting the truck in four wheel drive, we're just spinning the tires Mm -hmm. and going nowhere. But if in that moment that we're stuck and realize, you know what, the only way out of this rut is I'm going to have to put this in four wheel drive. I'm going to have to turn the wheel. I'm going to have to pick another destination point to get out of here, to get out of these tracks. And you know what? I might need to call a couple friends to push while I do this because I can't do this by myself. And so I think that is like the three prong need that we have when we are stuck, overwhelmed by a pandemic, by trauma, by a life trial. I just had a friend who's, whose dad just passed away. Right. And she's like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I said, you need to ask for help Mm -hmm. because you might be able to put the truck in four wheel drive and you might be able to say, I got to get out. But that process of getting over those ruts and out of that into the solid ground is going to require a a force greater than yourself. And that is the work of the Holy spirit. And that is the work of the friends or the therapists to get you out to where you need to be. And once you're there, then we can talk about what's next. Absolutely. I love that. What you're describing uh, actually is a really great imagery for what the emotional rest and social rest look like, because emotional rest is that rest that we get when we are able to authentically share our emotions without fear of shame or retaliation, Mm -hmm. just speaking our truth as it is, not having to pretty it up so that somebody else can consume it without having to kind of have that empathy with us about Mm it. And then the social rest part of it is that rest we get when we allow ourselves to be surrounded and cared for by people and not feel like we need to always be the one pouring out. They're the life givers in our life who kind of pour back into us. And I think many of us, we don't, we don't have rest in those areas because especially workaholics, because you don't, you don't think that those relationships have value. You know, yeah. your, your relationships Ugh, that preach. need from you, you know, the ones like your clients and your, you know, your people that you're working with, your coworkers, your kids, your family, people who are always needing from you, you feel important because they need from you. But mm-hmm. they're also the ones that are pulling on your energy and your resources. So those adult friends and those people who just want to love on you kind of get pushed to the side because it's like, well, you know, they don't really need me, but you need them. (laughs) Oh, well said. And even back to that, me in the truck that one day, Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody but my husband for weeks because I was so embarrassed that I thought I don't even, you know, I don't even know how to drive a truck in mud up a hill without (laughs) it swerving and, and getting stuck. Like I was so overwhelmed by my own struggle, but too dang prideful to say, can you teach me? Can you show me what I should have done different? 
what, you know, and, and when I finally confessed it to Shelly, she's like, well, Lisa was the truck in four wheel drive. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, you got to get outside the truck and turn the hubcaps to put it in. I was like, I didn't know that. So, so had I known that, you know, and had I, I had, I just in the moment even picked up the phone and said, I'm stuck on the hill next to the mayor's field. How do I get out? It would have eliminated the strain I brought upon myself because I was too prideful to ask for help. And that's that, a good point. Right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I think oftentimes we 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 are reluctant to call that pride, but that really is what it is. It and, is and that's pride. what you know, most most people who are kind of um workaholics, that's what it boils down to. You have to be able to lay the pride down. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. And I also think it's part of the enemy's handiwork because mm -hmm. God designed us as a body to function together where the weak, you know, and the strong are side by side supporting each other as, as these really necessary ligaments in the body of Christ. And, and so what does the enemy do? He isolates and he isolates in shame and he isolates in pride and, you know, insecurity and everything else. And, and then we cannot be who God has called us to be and depend upon each other as he's called us to depend upon each other. So true. So, so we've been talking a lot about rest for the person who struggles to rest. And, and what I would like to kind of, as we think about closing this up in light of the fact that we're dealing with the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, what about those people right now who don't have that choice to rest because they're serving on the front lines and they are, doing, you know, 80 hour weeks right now when they used to do 40 or 60 hours a week and they are just dying. What can we say for them to encourage them? Well, that's, that's the population that I tend to work with normally. Um, a lot of my work has, is with people who are burned out. And so I get called to speak to a lot of physician groups and healthcare groups. And the main thing I usually work with them on is really identifying where your greatest level of rest deficits at. So mm. one of the things I have them do often is go through the free assessment on my site at restquiz.com so it. that they can determine which of the seven types of rest am I needing most at this time. And so they're not trying to get rest in all areas, but they can see where, where am I at a deficit that could be affecting how I feel overall, maybe keeping me from falling asleep or being able to find kind of peace in my mind at night to be able to kind of turn off to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. What I find um, oftentimes in those groups, the biggest deficits are in the two that we mentioned mm -hmm. and basically emotional and social because all of their time with people are time pouring out. And they're having to kind of be on in their professional mode, which isn't always your authentic mode. And I mm -hmm. think that's important for most professionals to understand whether they're healthcare or lawyers or teachers or CEOs or whatever. Professional mode is, uh, has a level of um, kind of keeping yourself um, closed in because you are not just kind of showing your students or your colleagues kind of all of yourself. That's reserved for a certain number of people. I kind mm -hmm. of look at it the way Jesus had it in his life. Um, you know, he had the multitude who, who was everybody who he was in mm -hmm. front of, not that Jesus was ever pretending, but he didn't reveal himself to everybody. I think that's very obvious in the scripture that he didn't fully reveal himself to all of the multitude at the, at the initial time. So then you had the 12 who knew him deeper 
And then you have those three that he took with him on the Mount of Transfiguration where he revealed all of himself to. And I think we all have those same layers in our life. And we just have to make sure it may not be three, it may be one, but we need to have somebody that we can kind of reveal our full self to so that we have an understanding that we are okay, that we're not always feeling like we're keeping a part of ourselves hidden and wondering what if they knew this about me, what they still love me. Mm-hmm. You have to have someone who knows all of that and you already know still loves you. That's and sometimes awesome. that person is just God being very real and open about where you're at and letting him affirm that he loves you, even though he knows it all. I love that. It's that's so good. When when you're even describing that in the context of professional, I was thinking how many moms take mm-hmm. on that. You got to be the perfect professional mindset, <laughs> right? I I can't let my kids know that I'm struggling. I can't let the you know soccer moms know. I got to present as though I'm capable and confident and mm-hmm. and just serve, 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 serve. And those those are often Very the women true. that we see coming for coaching after their kids graduate because their entire life has been poured into their kids. And now what is their purpose? I see it a lot with ministers as well. A large number of the burnout population that I see is in ministry Um, and and not just women, honestly, it's a lot of the male ministers um, as well, because, you know, they're not, they may have issues with depression or anxiety and don't have the liberty to be very truthful about that with their congregations on Sunday. So, you know, it, it hits a lot of us in different ways. Yeah. So that becoming your authentic self is part, it sounds like part of the equation of embracing rest. Absolutely. It's particularly that emotional rest. That's part of the emotional. That's part of the emotional rest. So, so they can find, our listeners can find the rest quiz Uh, say the URL again. It's restquiz.com restquiz.com and can dive into your, you have seven different types of rest. We've talked about a couple of those today. And I know I had asked you um, if there was a particular verse that you wanted to share and, mm-hmm. and I, I love it. I want to read it. Uh, and I would love for you to unpack it a little bit. Like what made you, what made you sure. choose this and what's your commissioning <laughs> on this? So um, you gave me from Isaiah 30 verse 15 For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, you will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. And then verse 16 starts with, you say no. (laughs) So so give us context. Yeah. I think what hit me with that is that when I read that scripture for the first time, that was one of the first ones that I went to after that Genesis experience uh, of kind of getting that revelation of, you know, I need to start from a place of rest was that I had spent my life unwilling. You know, I, I said, I trusted God, I, but nothing showed I trusted him because I wasn't willing to let go of anything. I was yeah. trusting him with my hands gripped around it for dear life. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't any level of true trust. And I felt like every blessing had to come from the work of my own hand, that no grace attached to any of it. And so I, what I love the part where it says in quiet confidence, because um, for me, my life had gotten very noisy and silence had not been a part of it. You know, one of the types of rest is what we call sensory rest, which deals mm-hmm. with quiet and kind of that, that getting away from all the noise and the gadgets and the cell phones and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I found that 
you know, that quiet confidence meant that I didn't have to hear all of the directions that I thought I needed to Mm. be able to move with God. And it's just being able to move in the silence and let that and, and being led solely by his spirit without having to feel like I knew what direction I was going in, Mm -hmm. but just trusting that he was leading the way. And I had to be willing to do that. You know, the part about you being unwilling, it was an invitation. Mm -hmm. I either chose Mm -hmm. to do it or I didn't, but the choice was always mine. And even when I didn't do it, I still had the choice. I just was unwilling to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, to me that this passage speaks the same thing. You know, I, I, I read, I reread the whole chapter 30 and it's this, this dance between God and his people of, mm-hmm. I give you this, you don't want this, you choose that. And, and, you know, in verse um, nine, it says they are rebellious people, deceptive children, children who do not want to listen to the Lord's instructions. Yes. And, and how true is that for us? Like I, I became a Christian in 1993 and Sabbath felt like an option until 2019, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and there were maybe a couple of years in which it felt like I felt conviction, but somehow I let the the voices of this world drown out that conviction and thought, well, maybe that's not relevant for right now. But it was because I looked at rest as a punishment instead of a gift. Yes, yes. Right. And so the big mindset mindset shift for me has been that God has given us this gift of rest. And Absolutely. and in all the ways that you have already described and more, that this is his provision for our care of ourselves. And so even even those people who are on the front lines right now for the pandemic need to figure out how in their six days of serving, they're gonna find sacred places of, of rest in their life, or they're not going to have the reserves to continue to give. That's so true. And I think that's the thing that we have to really just get an understanding of that. You know, we, a lot of us fear resting and we shun resting because we look at it sometimes as being selfish and, you know, do I really need it? Isn't it just something I can do if I feel like it? And Mm -hmm. I don't think we really realize that rest is, is for you. And it's also for others because you really can't give of your best when you're pouring from your emptiness. No, 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 not at all. Oh, good stuff. And so I'm just really glad that you were able to join us today. I think the timing of this is really perfect for those who are trying to figure out how to navigate the pandemic. And for anyone who listens to this in in months, weeks, years from now, uh, the principles are timeless because they're biblical and and the caring of ourselves is is foundational for us joining God in the work ironically that he wants us to do right so yes, yes. Uh, I, I love the visual of our work comes from the place of rest first and that is that that's a new thought for me that is something i'm gonna cling to yeah. absolutely and i think that's for me but the the key thing i had to remember is that rest should really equal restoration so whenever yeah. I say that I'm going to rest, I want to be thinking about what needs to be restored in my life and how can God help me restore that. That's so neat because that's been my that's been my hashtag is restoration and the R E S T are the capital letters yes, of, yes. of that brings the the restoration through the refreshment that God provides. 
So, uh, Sandra, where else can people find you besides the rest quiz? Well, my main website is at ichoosemybestlife.com. And then the book that all of this is from is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. I love that. And so um, would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Father, we just thank you for the for the gift of rest that you've made available to each one of us. Father, I pray that as the listeners are contemplating kind of how this is affecting their lives and how rest can play a deeper role in their healing process, that you'll allow them to, to have the confidence to just sit quietly before you, to let your Holy Spirit to do the work that's needed, and to be able to find a chance to go deeper into what rest means for them, to be able to release those things that they've been holding on to and striving for, and to find a place of just reclining in you, that it will become a time of sacred peace and of sacred rest and of, of letting them understand the deepness of your love and how rest is a part of that equation. We just thank you for that gift. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here, Sandra. And Thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a valuable supporter, visit the More To Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.